talking about first things first. And when it comes to the ministry of Jesus, that means his baptism. And so looking at that, we're going to start with a passage of Scripture that comes from Mark, the first chapter 9 through 13, uh, Mark 1, 9 through 13. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in the Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being what? Torn open. Remember that. He saw, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love, with you I am well pleased. Now once the Spirit sent him into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with wild animals, and angels attended him. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his holy word. Let's pray. Lord God, speak to us through your holy word. And may this witness to your word be faithful. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. This being Super Bowl Sunday, I would like to take you back about 17 years to Super Bowl 34. And that, you'll remember, was the Rams versus the Tennessee Titans. And uh, they, they were playing, the, the, the Rams were playing in their first ever Super Bowl uh, opportunity for a title. And uh, they had this guy who came out of nowhere. He was a quarterback from arena football. Has anybody ever even attended an arena football game? Well, a few of you, a few of you have. Uh, he played for a team called the Iowa Barnstormers. Anybody ever seen them play? Okay, probably the same, same group. And uh, they, they saw something in him and, and they decided to, to put him in as quarterback starting the 1999 year. And this guy led that team to four straight wins, phenomenal touchdown and yardage. Nobody knew who he was, or hardly anybody knew who he was. It was, it was so amazing that Sports Illustrated on their 1999 October 13th uh, edition of the magazine on the front cover was this quarterback and the, 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 the heading was, who is this guy? Who is this guy? That year, which ended in the Super Bowl with the Rams winning it on January 30th, 2000, was the year in which this quarterback became the MVP of the NFL. First year. And MVP of the Super Bowl. Now, does anybody know the name of that guy? Go ahead. Kurt Warner. Yeah, Kurt Warner. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a fascinating story that Joy and I got uh, interested in because we heard that, that uh, he, was, he was a very committed Christian, um, committed to his family, uh, just a lot of things about him we liked. Uh, side note. 
about uh, quarterback Nick Foles wanting to be a pastor and just tried to work. Getting back to Kurt Warner, um, he, uh, they ended the game two minutes left by scoring a touchdown. And Kurt Warner said the, the play was, was called 999. And basically what that, what that is, is all you receivers run down as far as you can go and I'll try to throw it to somebody who's open. Literally, that's it. Four receivers take off, and, and, and he throws to one of them. And he threw the ball to Isaac Bruce, which ended up being a 73-yard touchdown. And if you remember, that was the game in which uh, the Titans came back and came within one yard of making a touchdown. That ended the game, and it was, you know, pandemonium as it usually is after a win of a, a Super Bowl. And obviously, the reporters wanted to get to Kurt Warner to interview him right afterward. And and uh, uh, Mike Tirico of the ABC uh, station interviewed him. And I'll, I'll never forget this. I watched this. Had the microphone with Kurt Warner. He said, Kurt, first things first. Tell us about the final touchdown to Isaac. Did anybody, does anybody remember this? I remember it like it was yesterday. And I remember Kurt Warner said, well, first things first. I've got to thank my Lord and Savior up above. Thank you, Jesus. Now, since then, a lot of sports figures have used their platform to celebrate their faith in Jesus Christ. But that was the first time that I had ever heard anyone do that in that kind of an immediate interview process of sharing his love for Jesus Christ with, with the world. And he, uh, he did it by saying first things first. Now, when I s started putting this, this uh, message together and, and the, the message was coming up, uh, came up with this thought. I wasn't thinking about Kurt Warner. I wasn't even thinking about Super Bowl. But did I mention to you that God has it all taken care of? Isn't it amazing that that title came with then it, uh, seeing this connection with Kurt Warner that has to do with the Super Bowl? Isn't that kind of cool? But uh, along with that is uh, uh, the reality that that, that said a lot that defined the direction of his life as well. They, uh, he and his wife, Brenda, um, have a foundation called First Things First. They have a book written, First Things First. And it is, uh, uh, you know, it, it's just kind of exciting to see how that had, that one defining moment began so much good. Now, Jesus calls us to a certain way of living, which deals with not only living, but loving, learning, and leaving a legacy. And we see this in his ministry all the time. These are the first things first that we need to take care of. Now, for the next couple of weeks here, we are going to look at the two events that are basically the start of Jesus' ministry in, in, the, in, in our world. First is the baptism, 
Second is the temptation where he uh, was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan. And then after that, we will enter into this, this series, this Lenten series called Dramatic Power for, for de- uh, the desperate moments, these desperate times in our lives that, that we need a miracle. Now, to set this up, I, I just want to show you how God has it taken care of. How he's, he was, he's, he's there before we are. He has, it, he has it planned out in terms of, of what he wants us to do and the path that he wants us to go. And how, yes, we have ways that we can go off that path, but he, I just want to show you how it is set, things that were set in motion. Now, to look at this baptism, we need to understand that it was actually started before then. We uh, have come out of the, the, the Christmas season, but I want you to remember that the Christmas story was actually, that nativity story was about two babies, remember? Instead of, instead of just Jesus. If you, if you read the nativity story, you'll, you'll understand that angel Gabriel came to Zechariah the priest to tell him that he and Elizabeth, even though they were an old age, they would have a child and his name would be John. He grew up to be John the, Bap- uh, the, uh, the Baptist. He's the one that was, by the angel Gabriel, prophesied that he would, um, he, would, he would lead the way. He would prepare the way for the Messiah. And then angel Gabriel went to Mary and told her that she too would have a child. It would be God's child and that he would be the Messiah. He would be Emmanuel, God with us. And with all things, God are, po- is po- are possible. All things are possible. Now, understand that this is after 400 years of God being unusually quiet and there being no prophets. We have the Old Testament prophecies of people of God who who would uh, have a word from God. But then all of a sudden, 400 years, there's no no word of God. And then Angel Gabriel begins his visit. First to to Zechariah, and then to Mary, and then these children are born, and then these boys, they grow up to be men. And then, boom, prophecy begins with, with uh, John the Baptist coming, into the, uh, coming in from the wilderness saying, prepare the way of the Lord. And his message was so strong that people from all over the area were coming to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. And with them, the right moment, at the right time, Jesus shows up. Now, people have been asking, John, are you the Messiah? Are you the one that, that, that God is sending? And he said, no, I'm not, I'm, not even worth, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals or to tie his sandals. I, I, it's not me. And then Jesus shows up, and John knows. Now look at what happens if, if we read the, the baptism story from the Gospel of Matthew. It's from Matthew 3, verses 13 through 17. We see this interaction. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Now once again, he's saying, you're the one, I'm, I'm the one who's to prepare the place, the, the way for you. You're, you're the one. 
I should be baptized by you. Look at Jesus' response. Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And John con- then John consented. You see, Jesus knew of the prophecy of, of the, the angel, that, that, of what would happen, and that John would come first, and he would announce uh, the, the coming of, of Jesus, and that's exactly what he did. And, and, and so uh, Jesus is baptized by John. Now look at the next, verse 16. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Now, you heard me say before, I want to say it again. You know that God has it all taken care of, don't you? Hopefully you do. I want, I want, to, I want to show you some things just as we begin this this journey of Jesus' uh, uh, life and to show you how things were set in motion even from creation that happened at this baptism, which is the moment, the beginning of his ministry, and happened as Jesus died on the cross. There's this incredible parallel of things that, that are going on. Let me just m- mention some of them to you. First, at both Jesus' baptism and when Jesus died, there is a voice. And the, and, and the voice is heard declaring that Jesus is the Son of God. First, we have, have uh, uh, God saying, surely this man, or, or saying, this is my Son whom I, I love. With him I am well pleased. But now look at Mark 15. Verses 37 through 39. You see how, see how this, this goes at his death. Jesus is on the cross. He's at the point of death. And 37 says, with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. Isn't that kind of an unusual statement to make? It's made in, it's made in three different Gospels. And when the the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the Son of God. The centurion, the soldier, said, surely this man was the Son of God. So both times at his baptism and also at at the the, the crucifixion when he died at the end, the statement of of him being the Son of God was, was announced. And also a second thing is that at both moments, something descends. At the baptism, it is the spirit dove. And at the death, it's the tearing of the temple veil from top to bottom, which Mark explicitly describes as moving downward. Now, let me just say, you know, like, did that really happen? Did it, did, you know, when Jesus died, did this, did this curtain actually tear? When Mark wrote those words, it was about 20 years after the life of, of Jesus and, and, and death of Jesus. Now, think about this. People reading that would have been there at that time. They would have known whether Mark was telling the truth or not. 
And they would have been able to say, that didn't happen. That, that, that curtain didn't tear. So it obviously, it obviously happened. Now, three, at both moments, at the baptism and at the death of Jesus, Elijah, the prophet Elijah, the Old Testament prophet Elijah, is symbolically present. At the baptism, Elijah is present in the form of John the Baptist. If you, if you look at how John the Baptist is described, he, he looks like John the Baptist. He, he wears the same kind of, or he looks like Elijah. He wears the same kind of clothes that Elijah wears. He even eats what Elijah ate. So there was that comparison. But then at the, at the, at the, the crucifixion, the onlookers think that Jesus is about to call out to Elijah or is calling out to Elijah. And then the fourth comparison is that the spirit is present at both. First in the, in the, the baptism is that the spirit descends on Jesus at his baptism and, and, and then in, in Mark at the death of Jesus that talks about, he repeats this quite often. He, he, he has a word that is translated as thigh or, or breathing his last. But it comes from the, the word pneuma, which is stirring. And that connection with, with breathing, wind, is, is, is undeniably connected with the, with the Holy Spirit. And so you have all of these, these things going on. But one of the things I find most fascinating is this idea of the curtain being torn and the heavens being torn open. What is going on there? Why would the words be used that the heavens were, were torn, torn open and the spirit descended like a dove? And then why in the world is it significant that the, that the temple curtain is torn? I think it's obvious that once again, God had it all taken care of. You know, last, last weekend, the, the, the bishop uh, was, was here on Saturday, and he, he made this interesting comment. He said, he said, you know, when I wake up in the morning, I know that, that Jesus is, is on the throne. And regardless of what happens that day, when I lay down at night, I know that Jesus is still on the throne. And when I wake up the next morning, I know that Jesus is on the throne. You see, all through this, we can proclaim that Jesus is Lord and he is on the throne. Regardless of what happens in our lives, there's something that we have, and that's Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus comes and he fulfills the, the, the prophecy of being uh, of, of, the, of the forerunner, uh, John the Baptist, and when he was baptized, the, the heavens are opened up, they're torn open, and the Holy Spirit comes down. There's, there's no separation there between people and God. In Jesus Christ, he's there. He's with them. And then all throughout his ministry, as we'll be looking at it, the different miracles and and things that, that he did and how Jesus is the greatest miracle. At the end, at, at his crucifixion, there, when he dies, at the temple, there is a curtain that is torn from top to bottom, separating the, 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 the distance of God and his people. 
Now, it's kind of interesting how the, the, the temple is set was set up. Inside, it's about covered about 40 acres of, of land in terms of, of different the courts and everything. But in the, in the very center was the Holy of Holies. And there's a, there's a veil that, that is over the uh, closing off that, that room from everything else. And the only people that see that curtain or that veil would be priests. And the only time anybody would go into the Holy of Holies was like one time a year. And uh, they were so serious about this that the priests that would go in and, and uh, ba- basically uh, offer prayers uh, in the Holy of Holies where the presence of God was, uh, they, would, they would actually tie a rope around them so that if something happened to them, to keel over and die, they could, they could pull, pull the body out and not have to go on after it. And that's how serious they were. And there was that veil. I've always thought that that was the veil that they were talking about. But there was actually another veil. And Josephus, a hist- an early historian, talks about this. That, and he describes this veil. And it was an outer veil that others could see. Now, not just the priests, but others could see. And it covered a massive, massive doorway. And they say that this curtain was actually 80 feet tall. And it was heavy and thick. And it was a Babylonian uh, tapestry, beautiful tapestry. And, and scholars now believe that that is the veil that was torn and opened up the, the, the distance between God and his people. Now, I was wondering, well, what, what, uh, what was on that tapestry? And as you read through Josephus, it's not in the Bible, it's in the historical document that, of, of the historian Josephus writes, that tapestry designed was of the universe, the heavens. And it being torn was symbolic of the opening of heaven once again. So as Jesus died, and as, as the, well actually at his baptism, as the heavens were torn open, and when he died, the curtain was torn from the top to the bottom, making an opening that people could be with God. Now next week, we're going to be continuing on with the story, and we're going to be looking at how the temptation also the temptation uh, was also a time of, of formulation of Jesus before he begins his incredible work of ministry. But the thing I want you to leave here with today is that we serve a risen Savior who's got your back. It's taken care of. God knows what you're going through. God does not have to be distant from you. Because of this this life that Jesus lived right from the beginning and, and throughout his life to the end, he became the perfect sacrifice for your sins and mine. So that when we die, we can go to heaven. But even more so, we can live with that understanding that God is with us. Amen? Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you and I praise you that you, you uh, have, have this all 
put together, even though we may not fully understand it. We see how your, how your scriptures and, and, and how you put first things first to, uh, to develop, even from creation with, the, with the, uh, your Holy Spirit hovering over the, the, the mass of water like a dove throughout has uh, uh, made it an understanding for us that we truly are taken care of by you and that our, our job is to follow you and to do what you call us to do. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be your followers. In Jesus' precious name I pray, amen. <laughs>